this is Captain Lee, and you're listening to the Andertons Podcast. So, this is a combination of the Captain Show. What do you call the Captain Show? The, ca- the Captain Meets. The Captain Meets. And what's the other show? Well, yours is the long distance the call, The long isn't it? distance. So this is the long distance the captain meets. Is that what this is? I hope so. It's I a think new that's format. what it's going to be. I think, I, I think we're there. I think we're there. <laughs> so what were you just saying? I'm sorry. I'm well, screaming to turn the cameras on because you started know, down a road I didn't want to miss. Uh, you, uh, I mean, you're in denial, but about four years ago, I swear blind, you gave me that shirt at the okay. NAM show. Right. And then the following I'm, year, I gave I, it I, back to you because I felt I, guilty so about you, taking it. So. You, I'm in denial. <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. Right, so look, I'm in denial. You need therapy over that conversation. So, <laughs> so let me explain. In this building, if somebody comes up to me who's been working for me for a long time and says, nice shirt, they get the shirt off my back, which I did with you. This was just bought off eBay nice. because I ran out of shirts. And this is a Armani Collection $800 shirt that I bought for $42 on eBay. Turns out you can buy really nice shirts on eBay that haven't been worn at all. And this is not your shirt. As a matter of fact, I've never owned an Armani Collection shirt. Yours is not Armani Collection. If you want to look in the label, you (laughs) need therapy. I've got to worry. So you think you've bought a genuine Armani shirt with an $800 recommended price tag and you paid $42 You're saying I'm wearing a fake. I like it (laughs) even better. I've got this... um, I just bought this amazing PRS from a guy in China for $99 as well. Do you think it's a real one? I'm not sure if it, I mean, it looks pretty real. Oh, Oh, all right. You know something? I'm coming after you. Ready? (laughs) You you really, you get to interview everybody. Now I'm going to come after you. Does that sound good? Good. Yes, please do. I'm looking forward to it. All right. So everybody's asked you why you're the captain. Mm. And you, I assume you tell the truth, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. now I want you to lie and tell them why you think you really are named the captain. Well, I mean, obviously I graduated at uh, Sandhurst Officer Training School in 1990. Is this the it, real story? Uh, or is this the fake story? You know, three terms in Iraq and Afghanistan and made my way up and obviously retired from the army about 10 years ago and decided to, to start a YouTube channel. And you worked for MI6, is that correct? Uh, MI7, but MI that's the one that doesn't exist officially, so <laughs> MI6 will do. Actually, you guys <laughs> no, actually... You know what? Honestly, I, I, I do feel I, I have no military or, or service background at all. When, when we started the uh, YouTube channel yeah. 10 years ago, yeah. Rob Chapman told me I needed a nickname because prior to that, I was just Lee. And Rob said, well, you're the captain of the good ship Andertons, so I will call you... And uh, the captain. The captain. And, and, it, and it's stuck. And I've always, there's a little tinge of uh, slight sort of, you know, not embarrassment is the wrong word, but, you know, I don't want to disrespect anybody that genuinely has reached the rank of captain in whatever profession they've done, because I certainly haven't. Uh, but that's why uh, I have that nickname. <laughs> All right. So they've given me a nickname here, which I don't like. 
<laughs> yeah, I think it started on the internet. PRSH, which is just stands for himself, which is, I mean, come on, give me a break. <laughs> not something I wanted. I've got a lot of nicknames for myself. Not, uh, most of them not complimentary, but. I like it. I thought I thought it was going to be yeah the PRS himself. What else do you um? Because your I like I'm not I won't tell people what it is, but I, I like your I like your email address as well. It's it's quite you know it's to the point and. Okay, wait, 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 wait. You're not going to share my email address no, on no, international. No, 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 I'm not going to share your email address. I'd have to you know, change it's... it the next day. That's not fair. <laughs> All right, so it's a good one. What's the most interesting thing in your room other than your soul? What's in the room you're in? What's the most interesting thing in the whole room other than you? Wow. Because what's we could burn the building down and we yeah, wouldn't would care. We, and we wouldn't care if you were alive. So therefore, you're the most interesting thing in the room, period. But other uh, than you, what's the most interesting thing in the room? I have got uh, when I mean, it's got to be a gear related question, hasn't it? I've got the uh, number two of one uh, hundred. Uh, slash AFD 100 guitar amp head slash has number one and I have number two so I've got that's kind of cool I might rush in and get that I mean all the guitars I've oh, I tell you what I have got in fact I'll, I'll, I'll show it to you I have got the acoustic guitar that my dad learned to play on uh, which is uh, like a it's American but just like a catalog guitar from the 19 I don't oh, know what wow, this would be from the, the 50s or the 60s yeah, the, the brand is um Michigan, and it was made under license for a catalog company, B and S L. Uh, I think B and S L. So it's a bit like a kind of like a, a, a like a K guitar kind oh, of thing. Oh, that's cool. So it's probably worth nothing, but sentimentally, it's worth a lot. Thank you, Tay. Uh, and I, I, yeah, I've got loads of lovely guitars from you guys and Fender and Gibson and and uh, G and L. And I mean, I'm looking around Gretsch. I'm very lucky. Well. I'm sure like yourself. It's what we do, isn't it, for a living. So And we, you have we, the fake we, and then you have the fake in your hands, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you, what do you I mean I know Gibson has Chibson. What what do you have? Do you do you have like I don't know, is it PQ? I, I don't I'm not gonna answer that question, but I will tell you the first time when I went to Japan, they had Marsnall amps where they had taken the H and broken it off as an N and it said Marsnall, and there were other amps that said Mad Shell. And so, you know, it looked just like Marshall, but it was trademark violation 101. So I've oh, seen man. a lot of things where it said PRS on the headstock at trade shows. And we said, you can't do that. And they went, yeah, OK. And they put it away. They always try. It's the wild, it's the wild west out there, isn't it? There's probably a really successful chain of Anderton's stores just called something marginally different uh, that I don't know anything about. But good luck to them. Good luck to them. So where did your love of music come from? Where did this moment happen where you decided you wanted to be in the music business? What happened? How did that come about? Well, I think it's impossible really for it not to. Uh, my dad and my granddad started Anderton's back in the 60s. So I spent most of my summer holidays and weekends um, hanging out in the store and kind of loving the vibe. But I would say my specific love for the guitar was probably quite late in the sense of um, I was probably 15, 15 or 16, maybe 15 years old. And uh, a, a, a girlfriend of mine at school 
uh, ha played me uh, a VHS tape of Pink Floyd's Delicate Sound of Thunder uh, gig. I think they did it in, was it Long Island or wh wherever that amazing, amazing uh, live show just where the first kind of tour that they did, I think, where Dave Gilmore was the sort of full front man, no Roger Waters. And um, I expect everybody's, you know, can recall that moment where they just heard uh, someone play the guitar and it just, I mean, I'd heard, my dad had a great record collection, so lo lots of classic rock and uh, his two his his two favourite bands were uh, Steely Dan and The Police. So if if you can kind of think of any loads and loads of other great bands like um, Chick Corea, uh, Stanley Clark, um, Yellow Jackets, lo loads of those kind of more sort of jazzy fusion guys, and the usual collection of you know Zeppelin and Hendrix and Free. Um, so I, I you know. I, I was well educated by my dad in good music, I think. Well, that was but yeah, about 15 years old when, when Delicate Sound of Thunder came out. That was my, I need to go and play the guitar. So I bought myself a red uh, cheap strap thing and wanted to be David Gilmore, basically. It's a good answer. I'm not going to futz with you on it because it's a <laughs> heartfelt answer. So... I like this question. So, of all the famous musicians you've interviewed, what's the one that you got starstruck the most by? What's the one that um, uh, was the one that really comes to mind? So, I'm, I'm going to tell you a story just to kind of remind you of these kinds of experiences. One time, somebody showed up from the Russian government in our booth at NAM, and they had an interpreter, and I tried to find out the interpreter's name, and they were such... Uh, high-level people. The interpreter was under instructions that they, they had no name. They were all dressed to the nines. I mean, they handled themselves perfectly. And what they wanted to do was find out which of the companies at NAM they could sell Russian tubes to because he was in charge of monetizing the, the infrastructure of the Russian military. And this thing with Gorbachev had just happened and, you know, all that stuff had happened. And he held himself, he was as elegant and classy a human being as you'd ever want to meet. He was a pure digni uh, dignitary, you know, a diplomat. Carlos Santana walked in, he lost it. Walked into the booth, he lost his noodles, he became a kid. It was a different animal, right? So which one? Which one? So I've probably still got two or three guitar players on my bucket list that I would say would properly make me starstruck. Uh, Eric Clapton, David Gilmore and John Mayer. Um, because I think those three, there's probably other ones as well, but those three in particular, I you would sort of say. You left Jeff Beck off the list. <laughs> I've left Jeff Beck off the list. I, I, I mean, look, I don't mean my my list of people who are. That's a list of people that would make me starstruck. Like I don't know what I would say if I was in that situation. Whereas <laughs> I'd like to think, you know, there's, a, there's another list beyond that of amazingly talented people that, but that I hope I could string a sentence together to when I met them. But of the ones that I've met, um, actually, in all fairness, we did get to hang out very kindly down to to you guys. Really, we got to hang out with John uh, backstage. At a gig, yeah. um, and he was 
really, really lovely and didn't make us feel starstruck at all. So that, that was nice. But I would say, I mean, Carlos Santana just, uh, that, that was a Zoom interview. And yeah. I always feel it's, um, it's, there's a slight sense of it's not real when it's on Zoom. So I, but I was amazed by what a cool cat he was and how much he opened up and how, how uh, willing he was to share life experiences and, and stuff. Um, of the other guys, I would say Steve Vai was... Steve Vai was... The, was I went into that interview going... I, I don't really like guitar instrumental music as such. Not, not I don't like it, but it's not... I like songs that have great guitar parts to them as opposed to guitar parts for the sake of being technically, you know, very accomplished. So I would, would have said that someone like Steve was one of those guitar players that I'd never really drilled too deep into his uh, musical career. Um, I always prop wrongly so I know now I probably saw him as someone that was just a technically crazy no, proficient he's a guitar player gifted musician absolutely and, gifted yeah and then and then I met him yeah. and got to spend some time getting to know him and understanding what a phenomenal composer he is what a deep thinking musician he is what a deep thinking person generally he is so I was actually I started that interview not being starstruck and finished it being Being starstruck. (laughs) So that was cool. I mean, I I don't know. Lots of people have made me. Albert Lee, you know, we played a piece of music in the Albert Lee interview that was played at my uh, father-in-law's funeral. That made me cry a bit. That was, uh, I'll never forget that moment. Um, Loads of other players, I mean bit unfair to, to pick them nah, out. But it's actually not unfair people. because I'm going to tell you what happened to me. All right? Go on. Um, I got backstage to return to Forever, uh, one of the very first gigs in Maryland. And I, wa- I had a guitar and I wanted to sh- show it to Stanley Clark. And I lost my shit. I, <laughs> he, they opened the door. I couldn't control my voice. I'm lost. I completely lost it. He goes, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> and I, I literally lost it. And, you know, I was I, because at the time he would just been on the cover of Guitar Player, the only bass player to ever be on the cover of Guitar Player. And at the time he was a, you know, a musical, you know, God, he, you know, he and I lost it. I've never lost it before. I literally lost it as a kid. Have, maybe I'm glad I lost it with him, a bass player, instead of losing it. You know, I met Gilmore once. I didn't lose it. Um, he was a lovely human being, by the way. I don't have the experience of Zoom that you have. I can't. When, I, when I'm on Zoom with these people, I feel like I'm in their, in their home. Somehow I don't feel disconnected from you talking to you. But then again, I know you, right? So, so uh, I don't feel disconnected. I understand, I understand that feeling. But we've yeah. been doing a lot of Zooms here, and it's been going unbelievably well. Um, we start our long distance on Zoom. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, don't I, I mean, I, I don't – I think what people don't see when I've interviewed uh, people in the flesh, typically what's happened is they've arrived here an hour before, we've gone to get some lunch, you've broken all the ice, you've 
tell you know you've heard yeah. some funny stories they've told you know you've shared some guitar stories and then when the interview starts it feels like two people who are a little bit acquainted talking and all the zoom stuff tends to be right night you know nine o'clock that's when you're booked for um can we keep it to within 30 or 40 minutes please okay uh, sometimes uh, the person you're interviewing, their manager said, can they see the questions you want to answer, ask? And that's not really my style. Um, so I always feel the, the Zoom calls are a, just a bit more. Uh, it's not it, 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 it's just not the same. It's not it's not the same. All right. So let's go real deep for a second. Go on. Favorite really meal in America, favorite meal in the UK. And I have answers too. Uh, oh man! I mean, I think that's isn't it terrible? I mean, I, I don't think I've ever really experienced true American food, other than there was a crazy place in Nashville uh, that did a lot of barbecued stuff or, or um, smoked. You know, stuff in a smoker. I, I wish I could remember the name. You, uh, people barbecue. in Nashville will know it. It's the famous <laughs> one you have to queue to get into. Yeah. Uh, so I'd have to say that in America, that was probably... I mean, this is you're talking to a guy here who I would say 90% of my American experience is going to Anaheim for the NAMM show and eating the shittiest food known to man uh so i'd i'd hate to i'd hate to sort of base my entire sort of you know uh, opinion on american food on what i've eaten in anaheim uh and then over here i mean i don't i don't think i don't think england has a brilliant sort of culinary reputation i think our roast dinners are pretty unbeatable but if i could you know if i'm eating out i'm gonna go italian or or Indian. But you guys have things food. like shepherd's pie. There's a huge yeah. Indian culture in England uh, of Indian food. I mean, you do take all the little teeny baby shrimps nobody else will take and turn them into sandwiches for reasons we won't do here in America. You're, you're, I don't know. I mean, in Indian food is, uh, at, at the, or British Indian yeah. food yeah. is its own its own subculture. That's why I brought it up. Uh, and it's brilliant. It's absolutely yeah, brilliant. It but I don't think it's terribly similar to anything you'd actually eat if you went to India. Although no, I, I, I've never been, not. so I, I can't say that with any certainty. It's just what I've been told. Well, the best meal I ever had in England was crispy duck in Kew Gardens. And I'm telling you, it was to die for. With the plum yeah, that, sauce. I think that's another one where, again, that the sort of the, the, the Far Eastern kind of uh, the, the sort of what you typically see if you said I'm going to a Chinese restaurant in the UK probably isn't a great deal no, like a what different you'd get animal. served if you went to China. But I, again, it's great. I can pass on the haggis. Uh, I've never had haggis. Oh, have I? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a very Scottish thing. I don't think that comes uh, south of the border terribly oh, often. Oh, no, uh, they serve it. I, no, no, I tell no, you no. All kinds it, of times I had breakfast in England on a... On a on a thing, it would be in a plastic bag. Oh, the full, full English breakfast yeah. is tough to beat. I think, I think England may well, that may well be our finest culinary achievement is the, is the full English breakfast. 
that is so much more appetizing than the European kind of continental. Well, have a bit next of time you come to stale a, bread. next time you come to America, I'm going to bring you for some good food. We actually have good food here in Annapolis called crab cakes. We actually have lots of good food. All right, I'm going to keep going. Go on. Wow. This was written by my team here. A lot of these questions where I just like them. So tell everybody the truth about the un- unglamorous part of running a worldwide music store that's really <laughs> famous on the web. What's the unglamorous part? Actually, because we run a business here, I have an idea, but I want to know what you think. It's, I mean, it's, I, I mean, it's, it's not unglamorous. It's just, it's just normal, you know. I mean, we're, we're we're fortunate in that. So the the business that I kind of came into that my my um, dad started in the sixties uh, had was past all of that kind of is it going to work or is it going to fold kind of phase. So I am forever eternally grateful that I've never really had that sense of oh my god. That's it. I've got a meeting with the bank manager on Friday. And if it doesn't go well, that's it. It's all over. So I've, I've never had that. And I definitely know that I have had those. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm, you know, I, I will forever say to anybody that started their own business and has got through that phase, fair play to you, because that's the hardest bit, I'm sure. So the unglamorous bit is going to be, you know, we're, we're, I mean, we have to do now financial forecasting. You know, we have 150 members of staff that all need to get paid every month. And we have commitments on properties and bills to pay to guys like you. So we have to financial, we have to do financial forecasting and modeling. And what if this happens and what if that happens? And it's terribly dull, but it's, you know, it's has to be done. It's the, it's, it would be, you know, you, you can't run a business the size of, Andertons or PRS or whatever and just fly by the seat of your pants every day uh, keep your fingers crossed and hope it all goes okay um, so I don't I'm not I, I mean I am fortunate in that for a lot of the last 10 or 15 years the business has been big enough for me able for me to say if there's a part of the business that's really important and I don't enjoy doing it we can afford to employ someone else who does enjoy doing it and is much better at it than I am. That's a good answer. But yeah, I mean, when, when great people decide that their time at Anderton's is done and they want to go and work somewhere else, you know, that's always tough to take and you've got to feel like you've got to go through that process of trying not to take it personally and, and um, finding a good replacement for them and working through the, the period of time that, you know, whilst that new person beds in. Um, what else... That's a good I, I mean, answer. I like it. I like it when it feels I really I really enjoy this business best when it feels like everyone's winning. You know, when it feels like your the supply side of the business is really happy with what you're doing. The customer side of the business is really happy with what you're doing. Your staff are really happy with the environment that you've created. And I think that's, you know, that kind of when everything's. That's when it's the best time to be involved but inevitably, you know, as as you go through the year, I would say more often than not, probably the some of the relationships with the supply side of things are, 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 are maybe a bit tougher. Because I think, you know, sometimes you're a gen, you're not necessarily always on the same page as your suppliers are with where you're trying to take the business, and you've got to, you know, it is a it is a partnership, and you've got to try and work through these things. Um, 
I mean, I have to say, none of what I've just said applies to, to PRS. I, I think you've managed to find in, in Jez and Gavin over here and the team of the people that they work with, um, just some of the nicest and easiest people to do business with. Um, but there's plenty of other suppliers uh, where it's, uh, it's slightly more difficult to navigate those relationships sometimes. So... <laughs> Listening to you answer these questions, it's like I'm meeting a different captain because the way you, you're playful uh, with the people you interview is di- then where you're coming from now, in my experience, is, is a very thoughtful place of really trying to give a, a, a heartfelt answer to these questions. It's, it's, it's lis- like listening to somebody different. But I like it that. Is, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, I am... Very aware that fundamentally what we're selling is a dream and uh, and a beautiful hobby. You know, it's like for me, playing the guitar is something that brings me immense joy. Uh, and it's and that part of, of me that everything you see about me having fun playing guitar, meeting other people, jamming with other guitar players, the fun I'm having is is completely real. Uh, it's not contrived in any way. All right. But I also appreciate that what keeps the business going is that customers out there will work really hard themselves to earn $100 or £100 or $1,000 or pounds, whatever. And then they're going to give you that money in return for something back, some goods or services back. And we have an obligation to make sure that they feel like they had that was the best possible way that they could have spent their money I agree and, the, with and, you. And, and that side of things isn't you know I can't get it all wrong or that or Andertons can't get it all wrong and then just go oh yeah but it's all good fun isn't it and we're all mates and yay uh, you, you know that side of it's a proper business that side of it is a really really proper business that we take really really seriously and we so yeah that's so, and I think when people ask me, I kind of feel if it's a if it's a question about running the business, then they'll get a pretty businessy answer. Uh, and if it's a question about why do you play guitar, it'll because it's I love it and it's fun and that's the answer. Good. So I got bad news for you. Okay. You are now famous enough to get interrupted at dinner. And I know yep. that's going to make you come out of your skin because you don't like be, even hearing that. But as Carlos Santana says, deal with it. So tell us one of the times where you got interrupted at dinner that's notable, that comes to mind. Because you are now, I mean, this whole thing you've done uh, has gone worldwide. You, your videos are watched in our country daily, constantly. I mean, I, I personally still find it weird that anybody would want to uh, have their, uh, like a selfie taken with me or whatever like that. But I don't, it it does happen and it's kind of cool. And I'll always, I'll never ever tell anybody that, you know, it's inconvenient or it doesn't happen enough. You know, I'm not like Leonardo DiCaprio where you can't get two seconds without somebody, you know, it might happen, uh, you know, if, if I'm near Anderton's or I'm at the NAM show, then it happens more regularly because there's loads of guitar players there. But if I'm just out and about, it doesn't happen very often. But I would say on my wife finds it harder to deal with. She doesn't really like it when 
I get spotted and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're, you're on holiday with the kids somewhere, not even in this country and just walking along and you hear, so, Oi, Captain! And you're just like, oh no. <laughs> um, but the, definitely the most embarrassing times are when I've been with an artist somewhere I mean, I'm not going to say their names because that would be embarrassing. But on two occasions, I've been with a well-known artist and a member of the public has walked over and said, oh, can I get a photo with you like that? So, of course, I have naturally assumed they mean with the artist. So I've stepped away to let them have the photo with the artist. And then they stand next to me and put their arm around yeah. me, snap the shot. And I'm just going like, oh, no, this is so bad. I feel so <laughs> bad now for <laughs> the artist that I'm with. But... I don't know. YouTube's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's it's, it's, cool. it's almost like YouTube. The, you know, people who have a, a a high profile YouTube channel now are like little minor celebrities themselves. It's very odd. So my hey. my stepdaughter, when she was going to Broadneck High School, used to get followed around by people, and they would go, "Hey, Christina, can I have a free guitar?" She said it drove her nuts. She couldn't stand it. They didn't want to say hello. My name is. All they wanted to do was drop the, you know, can you give me money question before they ever even met her, right? They wouldn't even wait. She mm-hmm. was like, you guys, she would shake her head and go, this is unbelievable, right? My, my seven-year-old daughter has now started saying, you know, daddy, I, I want to be a YouTuber. It breaks my heart because it's just such a, I, I feel it. I feel it's. I feel it's kind of sad in a way. I think wasn't it? Wasn't it? Was it David Bowie who said something along the lines of, you know, back in his day, you had to be really good at something, and then fame was some sort of byproduct of being really good at something. Yeah. Now, people just want to be famous. You know, there's no sense that you have to get good at something. And I'm not suggesting. That you know, I don't know. Yeah, that but I'm there's nobody on the good at anything, yeah, but, but 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 there's nobody on the planet better to teach her how to do what she wants to do than you. You know how to teach her how to do that. <coughs> you know well, what, a, mean, what a beautiful or, or, in she wants to follow to in your footsteps. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Tell her to call me. I'll tell her how to manipulate you. Okay, I w- you can be Uncle Paul. I can be Uncle gets- Paul. I would like that. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to ask you one last question now. Go for it. All right, and then you get to ask me one. One okay. lousy question. <laughs> so if you had to get stuck in a building for a couple of days, any building in the world, and you had to be there for two days by yourself, stuck, doors locked, there's enough food and water to take care of you, what building would that be? Because I know the answer for me. Wow, what building would that be? I mean, I, I hate to give a, you know, I'm, I'm going to give a shout out. I'm going to give two answers, actually. I, I, I'm going to give a shout out to the guys at Chicago Music Exchange, because that would be a cool building to be uh-huh. stuck in for two days and not be allowed out. But that's a bit of an obvious, that's a bit of an obvious one, isn't it? So I will go with, where do I really like? Hmm. If I could have the keys to literally just go everywhere and anywhere. This is probably a bit cliche as well, but I think somewhere like the Natural History Museum in London uh, would be, or well, where else? I mean, but I, I, do you know what? The guy behind the camera here, Taylor, we, we both support the same football team and he's read my mind. That was the other one. We get locked in West Ham's football stadium for two days and then just go and mess around in there, play football. 
But no. Uh, That'd be fun. So where would yours, where would yours be? Uh, I'd either want to get locked in the Louvre or I'd want to get locked in the museum in Turin uh, where the David is or I'd want to get, um, I'd want a building, put a building up around Venice and get locked in my own building. <laughs> um, let's build a building around uh, the entire island of Andros in the Bahamas and then I'll get stuck in that. Oh, if that was, I mean, if, you, uh, if it's if it's any building, I can invent the building, yeah. right? I mean, no, I should I, be that's able a to shout. I, I'm, I, maybe I'll withdraw my answer. Then. So <laughs> I would go on to Brando, Marlon Brando's private island in the South Pacific. That, and that you uh, yeah, put just, a, well, you put a warehouse around. Oh, man. I just, you know, I, I know this sounds, if you could build me that building and guarantee that it had no mobile phone reception in it or Wi-Fi or anything like that. I think you could put me anywhere for two days as long as I had a guitar and uh, something to eat and drink. And uh, I'd be pretty happy, actually. <laughs> maybe maybe make it a week. <laughs> you know, both Carlos Santana and John Mayer said, if I lose it all and you give me a guitar, I can rebuild and be okay. Yeah, I mean, I... I I kind of feel that as frivolous as we are around guitars and, you know, and, and obviously you've done, an, you know, you've built an amazing business making guitars and I've done pretty well selling them. And I, I kind of feel like, you know, we know that we know that fashion is a big driver in what we're doing and the right looking guitar will be popular and the wrong looking guitar won't regardless of, you know, what goes into it. But I do feel a, there's a deeper level just the guitar itself in any form is something magical that, that you know, and, and I, perhaps other instrumentalists will feel the same about their chosen instrument, you know, but there's just something deep and very gratifying about being able to sit somewhere on your own. And so dangerous chords. question when you're sitting there, one pedal, one amp, one guitar, quick, go. Oh, ah, that's too slow. Only because, only because I don't think I own a single guitar that I don't enjoy being away from it for a bit and then coming back to it. I don't know that there's, I mean, honestly, I think if I, I probably, if I had to say what's the, you can only have one guitar there absolutely is something about just a straight up no frills Telecaster that kind of feels it's not going to do you any favours. It's just going to play the notes that you make it play. And uh, the pedal? And the pedal? Pedal, I like... Uh, oh, goodness me. Okay, I, I like... Or in recent years, probably my favourite basic drive pedal is is called a Greer Lightspeed, and it's it's basically it's a very a low gain, sort of just a lovely sounding, not too distorted pedal. And then as far as amps go, it would be anything clean and with a big bottom end. So any, as long as it's inspired by an old Fender Deluxe or something like that, and there's a ton of companies that make great versions of those so but i suppose in fairness if we just have to go for the you know the the, the old-fashioned names fender deluxe 
Of course, very Fender video, this one, given that uh, I'm talking to Paul Reed Smith on it, isn't it? What I should have said was we can edit a you silver out. sky, a silver <laughs> sky, an archon and a pedal that you haven't yet made, but I'm sure will at some point in the future. I'm, I'm not That's afraid of your answer. Uh, it shows, you know, where you're, what's written on your bones. All right, so you get to ask me a question. I knew this was coming and I'm completely unprepared, but I'd like to go. We Why might have to do two or three questions because my, that's my sort of style of just conversational interviewing. Um, so how big a deal was it you getting Joe Walsh to agree to do a guitar with you? Now I'm going to become you and, and, and get real introspective and quiet and try to answer the question correctly instead of making jokes the whole time. I thought it was a huge deal. He slammed his hand on the table and said, the world needs to pay attention to this single cutaway guitar. And I adored what he did. I just thought what he did was unbelievable. At the end of the entire video that we filmed, I told him I owed him dinner and I wanted you know buy him dinner for what he, he says, you owe me a lot more than that. Um, uh, but be, but he didn't mean it in any harsh way. He meant it in a beautiful way that that he had slammed his hand on the table and he knew who he was in the industry and I knew who I was and he was going to really help us with the sale of these single cutaway guitars that were tooled up for. I, and by the way, the tone he was getting out of the guitar was it, it sounded lovely, you know. And he was saying things about neck angle and fret level and that people don't usually stick their neck out about. He stuck his neck out, but then kings can do that because kings only care about what kings think. They're not worried about what the other endorser thinks. They're worried about what they think. And he's a king in our world. He's he's a he's a you know part of our um, musical royalty in this country, as Eric Clapton is musical royalty worldwide. You know so. I thought it was beautiful what he did, and um, I thanked him a lot. And I think what he said in the video was dead the truth. He didn't expect to get really touched by the instrument when it showed up. So how did it hit England? How did it hit the UK when that video came out? You must have got sideswiped. You didn't know that was coming. No, I didn't know. I didn't know that was coming, and I, I think... I think now it's, uh, you know, there'll be a whole generation of guitar players who uh, who will probably have heard of the Eagles, but, you know, won't necessarily have grown up on, on their music. In fact, there'll be several, gen there'll be two or three generations of guitar players like that. And so it's, it's brilliant that um, the work that you're doing with, with Joe will, will make people go, oh, I'll... Let me just type the Eagles into Spotify and see what comes up, because those people are going to get blown away by what they what they hear. Um, that whole band was, uh, well, it's that was a super group that didn't even need to be put together to be a super group. It was just a super group, you know, of, of talented musicians. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, there's a buzz around. Uh, Joe's guitar, there's a buzz around Mark's guitar. Um, there's just a buzz. I mean, I think it's, the, I think we may have talked about this before, but, you know, I mean, 
obviously for for all of the shitty side effects that covid has had on the world and the number of people who've died and the lockdowns and the mental health issues as a result of that i've got to be honest with you the number of people that have decided to either reignite their interest in playing music or, or have decided to go and play for the first time is it inspires me deeply you know because i'm sort of thinking i've always thought you know when when there's conflict on the news and you see one culture of people fighting with another culture of people. I've always thought, if you guys could all just learn to play the guitar, <laughs> you could turn up at these kind of, you know, ceasefire meetings, have a bit of a jam and realise actually there's very little, you know, you have tons and tons in common and, and, and very little differences in your inner, you know, human being. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, may, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's a kind of a real interesting silver lining to the last 12 18 months of covid is that you know if, if people come out of it the other side and you know are going wow i started making music during lockdown and i love it and i'm going to carry on making music i think that's that's a huge upside i did have another question this is well, i mentioned my daughter well you mentioned your daughter earlier on she's obviously older than my uh daughters what conversations did you have with them or do you continue to have with them about carrying on your legacy when you decide not to do it anymore? Is it something that you they you would like them to do, or just I'm I, again? You can cut all this bit out as well if you. I, 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 this is an entirely. I'm kind of feeling like maybe not right now, but at some point in the next ten years, that'll be a conversation. No, I, th I think it's fair. Samuel said to me, he "says Take me on a tour." I asked him the question when he was seven. He says, take me on a tour when I'm 13 and I'll give you an answer. So I took him on a tour when he's 13. He goes, it's really interesting. Don't want to do it. You know, my son William is an uh, investment banker and, you know, he's, he's not interested in the art of guitar making. He's interested in, you know, very intelligently running companies and he's good at it. Um, I don't think Sarah wants to make guitars, you know. Uh, Christina doesn't want to make guitars, although I've made them all guitars. And um, Jonathan doesn't, he's a drummer, he doesn't want to make guitars. Um, so I don't want to do what I've seen or been a mistake in guitar makers' lives where they force their children to be the guitar maker and, and then the kids aren't happy. I don't, I don't want any part of it. I want to support what their dream is, you know? Guitars was the farthest thing from my father and mother's mind. It had nothing to do with it. My father wanted me to be a mathematician. He wanted me to follow in his footsteps. And if, we, if the, there were literally screaming arguments in my house about algebra, I couldn't solve for X for nothing. It was literally awful. There were literally screaming arguments about I don't understand and leave me alone in, at the kitchen table. And so I didn't think I carried the gene. And then my son Samuel became a math teacher. He says, well, Daddy, you carry the gene. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, well, there's three kinds of math. Numeric, one plus one equals two. Solve for X, that's algebra and graphic math, which is SOLIDWORKS. Well, guess what? A guitar maker's rotating a, a part in three dimensions in his heads all day long trying to figure out how to make the thing, right? And so to me, I had the graphic part. I, could, I aced all the trig and geometry tests, but I failed all the algebra tests. So I didn't know. It's like uh, advanced in one side and a complete doofus in the other. 
and calculus was painful. I failed it in college. Um, so, uh, you know, I carry the gene, and maybe one of the grandchildren, it'll skip a generation. I have no idea, but my son Sam said, you know, will you teach my son what you know? And I said, and it took me a long time to answer the question because it wasn't just his son. It had to be his daughter, had to be my other kids. You know, how much time are you willing to spend with your grandchildren teaching them? And I made the commitment to do it, but I immediately went to his wife and said, this can't just be one kid. This has got to be all the kids. I can't love one grandchild more than the other. That's unacceptable. But if one of them's interested in guitar making, I'll teach them. I mean, if you were a young guitar maker and you showed up on my doorstep and pounded on the door and said, I want to learn to be a guitar maker, I'd teach you. The thing that's interesting is anybody over 50 wants to share what they have. And uh, there's a lot of teaching here. Um, we had a meeting the other day where I, you know, I was just trying to show how my view of humbuckings versus single coils are. And I see a, a P-base as a humbucker. It's two coils out of phase, you know, but no, pe no people don't look at jazz basses and P-bases as humbucker guitars. They are. But I was trying to explain all that and to try to back a student up to that position would be interesting. I don't know that I want to have that much interaction um, in a tough way with one of my children. That would be hard. That would be really hard. I, there was a thing on uh, Raphael, uh, what's the tennis player's name? No, Rafa Nadal, Nadal yesterday, and his uncle taught him how to play, and his uncle was pretty hard on him. Um, mm. But he said there was a thing about this kid, was three years old, they threw a ball to him, and instead of just catching the ball, he went at the ball. And they went, oh, no, we got a tennis player on our hands, because that's what they do. And, you know, his injury and coming back and not being number one and thinking he was washed up and now coming back. Watching those kinds of human beings are extraordinary. But he showed signs of wanting to be a, guitar, be a tennis player from very, very young. It would be nice that, you know, someone was taking guitars apart really little. I gave my son Sam a, a doll and I gave my daughter Sarah a truck when they were both three or four. They threw them at each other. They were done. They, they weren't interested, you know. I, I didn't know all this uh, they, she uh, pronoun thing stuff was going to show up like it is now, but I wanted to find out who they were. But it'd be interesting if, if, one, of the, if one of the grandkids or s somebody in the family wants to be a guitar maker, I'll teach them. I'll teach them. I mean, you know, that's going to happen with you and your kids. And your daughter's already said, I want to be a YouTuber, Dad. You already got the problem. Uh, it's, uh, I need to, uh, I think, I think. Have her call wanna, me. I'll tell her how to manipulate yeah, I, you. I, I, I don't know him terribly well, but I'm, I'm intrigued to talk to Chris Martin about how you have a business that goes through, what is, what was he maybe seven, eighth generation Martin family. I mean, I'm intrigued to know how that, cause there's no way that that business has gone through, you know, 200 odd years of, you know, producing, uh, you know, guitar maker after guitar maker after guitar maker. There, there must have been some of those Martins that bought something else to the business than than being able to make a guitar. Um, well, well, there you go. There's but, your next interview. Call Chris. <laughs> yeah, probably. So you've been uh, very, very open, and this has been 
as I guess a, as playful as a conversation would allow, but I can't tell you how much I appreciate you doing this with me. I, I always have a good time with you. You and I have always have a fun banter, as we would say. I mean, very often when I'm sitting in that room with you, the first goal is to make everybody on the other side of the camera laugh, not be informative, and then all the information comes out anyway. But yeah. this has been more uh, sweet in a way, and I, and I appreciate it very much. Now, uh, I've never called you captain in my life, but I've called you captain four times today. Captain. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's... Uh, and, and look, I... I, I I'm kind of He's touched, uh, flattered as well, and and happy that that people seem to want to listen to uh, people like you and I talking about, you know, because we've done we haven't done any playing or talked about tone really or anything in this. People are just interested in uh, what we do day to day, you know, and, and I, I I think that's you know fantastic, and and hopefully if anybody watches this and they're thinking of. Uh, wanting to, to, to make their own guitars or start their own music business, you know, hopefully something that we've said uh, will help them along that journey. Um, but yeah, it's, I appreciate you, you reaching out and phoning and, you know, I, I, I always enjoy spending time with you and I just, it's, you know, hopefully the next time it'll be in person rather than on Zoom. But I want to wish you and everyone at PRS all the best for 2021. You're, you know, amazing team of people and, and an absolute pleasure to know. So we'll, we'll go to sleep tonight with visions of building a building around all of Tahiti. <laughs> okay. And just, yeah, okay, I'll let you in. You can come in as well, as long as it's big enough that, you know, we can spend at least a little bit of time without being able to hear each other. It's all fine. I would not choose if I was stuck for two days and there was nothing else to do in the whole world. I, I love you very much, but you would not be my beach <laughs> choice. I would probably want my wife there. Or my I won't family. take that personally. That's uh, good. It's fine. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, but okay, you. Man, but well, but the black sands of Tahiti are supposed to be unbelievable. It's. I. I did my. I spent three weeks in South Pacific for my honeymoon, thirteen odd years ago, and honestly, it's it's paradise. It's paradise on earth. It's. Uh, I'm gonna. I know when I retire, I'm going back there for months. I loved it. There See ya. Right. You're the best. Take care, man. Thank you very much. We'll play later. See you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to our latest podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit that subscribe button. See you next time.